0: Welcome to Welcome to the uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 4, Episode 4 of Farscape.
1: Lava's a many-splendored thing.
0: Oh, well, this episode just kind of happened, didn't it? Did it? I mean...
1: You were like, <sighs> okay, before we started, you were like, what's this episode about? I'm like, I have no memory of it. And now that we've watched it, if you said, what was this episode about? I would say, I don't know. Like, I could tell you what happens, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's- there's- they encountered pirates or something, and- They're just
1: criminals, just- just- they're not even something cool like pirates, they're just thieves.
0: And there's, like, some fisticuffs, and some shooting, and some hitting people with rocks, and there's a fan dance, and- Honestly, this whole episode feels like it was written by someone who's not overtly familiar with Farscape.
1: Okay, so first of all, let me just point out that this is an episode where Rigel gets frozen in amber, and this is how unexcited by it you are.
0: Well, again- I do dislike Rigel, but mostly in a way where I just don't want him to be on screen.
1: Exactly, and he's frozen in amber!
0: Although Eh. I guess he's still
1: there, isn't he?
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff about his helium farting. This episode
1: is so gross. Yeah. Not just the farting, it's just so... Oh my god. It's gross. We'll talk about that, I guess. Because what else is there to talk about? (laughs) But also, okay, it doesn't so much feel that it was written by somebody who doesn't know about Farscape. As much as, like... Okay, I went to the trivia for this episode on the fandom wiki, 100% expecting to see, like, they wanted to do next week's episode this week, but for whatever reason, Claudia Black couldn't be there, so they literally threw together this script in two hours, because it's so nothing.
0: And the thing is, it's not it's not one of those episodes, like, the one where they're fighting the- or- not fighting, but the one where they get trapped mid-starburst and, you know, they're in the multicolored dimensions that make you feel different things, where John has to do everything four times and it feels like they're just stalling for no reason.
1: But at least it's like a cool concept.
0: It's a cool concept, but it, it was actively painful to watch. I don't think this episode is actively painful to watch.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, which is why, by the way, I don't, I don't know because we've just started recording, but, and, and you can, you can look at the runtime and- and and you can know for sure, dear listener, but I suspect this is going to be a short one. Because... Not a
0: lot happens.
1: Nothing happens. One of the things I like about Farscape is that sometimes we get the... We get hints of stories that are happening that we don't see, right? Like, the crew continues to exist even when we don't watch them. Hmm. And this is almost like, here's one of those adventures we don't show you. See why we don't show you every adventure? So I already, I already gave away. I already mentioned that Aaron's not in this one. Mm-hmm. Still, don't worry, y'all. She's back next week. And Jewel went, stayed behind on the other planet. I think it's all the previous ons you need. Nothing else happens, right?
0: Right. Okay, so everyone's hungry in space. We open with you know they're looking for Moya. They haven't found Moya yet. Everyone's hungry. Uh, why don't we just land on a planet, says Rigel. We can buy food and such. and you know.
1: But unfortunately, the planet is a volcanic rock that is completely devoid of life. Also, they're hungry because they haven't eaten in three days. And we just learned something cool about Sokozu because she's like, Oh my god, every other life form is so weak. It's been three days.
0: Yeah, she's like, come on. Are you babies? Ooh, look at me. I need to eat every few days or so. And China's like, well... Why don't we put you on the menu then?
1: I do. I do appreciate that. I I just talked about her being like I am a superior life form because I don't need to eat so much, mm-hmm. which was kind of Jewel's thing. But she, it's, she's so much less annoying about it.
0: Yeah, it's weird, right? Because like that was one of my big issues with Jewel was was just the constant oh we're so much like I'm an interiorian. I'm so much better than you. But Sukosu's thing. Doesn't bother me as much. I guess it's because... Uh, I, I I don't know. I, I, I'll I admit that this is me splitting hairs, but it's not a I'm superior to you. It's a I keep forgetting your species can't do this incredibly basic thing.
1: Okay, so I was going to say it's the opposite. Because I feel like is more like... It, it's not, oh, my race is so superior to your race. It's like... It's not about race at all. It's like, yeah... It's been three days. Why are you, an individual, so weak that you can't even go? You can't even go three days without eating. Yeah, I.
0: well, I think the difference is that she kind of, I mean, basically, like you said, she assumes everyone can do things that she can do on her level. And that if you can't, it's a personal failing on your part. Yeah, like John being unable to recenter himself isn't a human weakness. It's a, geez, John, why don't you get off your ass and learn how to center yourself?
1: Exactly right. Like Luxons aren't stupid. Dargo is stupid. I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that kind of nuance. So we mentioned that this episode was disgusting, and here we go, starting right off with the disgusting. Like
0: the witch gives everyone uh, some. Bullshit alien word. I don't know what it is, but she like peels off basically like American uh, slices of American cheese and gives one to each member of the crew. And she's like, They will stop your hunger if you eat them. She
1: coughs it up. It came out of her body. That's gross. It's called that's the, Jillnick. That's the alien word.
0: Yeah. Jillnick. It's restorative. And Rigel's like, blah, blah, mm, mm, That's so good and
1: okay so normally i hate john's like pop culture nonsense no i don't hate it i just normally i am amused at how annoying it is but i actually kind of appreciated it here because he does the full-on life commercial where he's like where he gives it to rigel and he's like have mikey try it he'll eat anything
0: just the inverse of the uh life commercial
1: oh yeah that is the inverse of the life commercial huh Wow, that was like a little mini Mandela effect on me right now until you, like, called it out. So, they all get really sick and have to, uh, after they eat this, and have to go down to the planet to, uh, have bodily functions.
0: Yes, to, uh, to vomit and defecate as though they were a disgusting Hansel and Gretel.
1: Oh god, that's so- it's even grosser! Sorry. No, that's okay.
0: Well, it'll get worse.
1: So, speaking of, like, bodies, mm-hmm. I never noticed before, probably because we didn't get, like, a front-facing shot that, like we do now, because they go down to the planet in Dargo's ship in Milan. In yeah. Sure does look like an uncircumcised penis, doesn't it?
0: That's a, a usual thing with spaceships, though, right? No, I mean,
1: usually spaceships look like circumcised penises. It's that extra skin flap here.
0: Okay, point yes, because, I'm like, the Enterprise looks like a dong, too.
1: Yeah, yes, ships look like penises, that's that's normal, but, like, and the also- The fact
0: that it's uncircumcised is the thing that makes it unique.
1: Yes, and just to be clear, like, when we're talking about penises, circumcised, uncircumcised, the- Whatever. Whatever. But, um, for a ship, I'm like, oh, also, like, the- I hadn't really thought about this before, but the texture of the outside of the ship is very, like, goose-fleshy. Like, if you- did a YouTube video that showed this ship, you would get demonetized. It's. It, it's. This is not a phallic shaped ship. This is a penis that people fly around space in.
0: So we land on the volcanic planet so that everyone can vomit. Can vomit and so on and so forth. And Rigel's like, don't leave without me! And. Because he
1: flies off to go defecate somewhere.
0: And psychosis is like, hmm, see, this is what happens when you are unable to go several days without eating.
1: What's weird about this is that the thing... Okay, I've been listening to the Maintenance Phase podcast, which is a podcast about, like, the diet industry and how evil it is. Mm-hmm. The thing is, this thing does make everybody incredibly sick, but nobody's hungry anymore. Like, it does, like, shrink their stomachs or whatever. Like, they're they're not gonna be hungry anymore. And... As disgusting as this all is, Mm -hmm. if this was a real thing that you could actually eat from the body of a space witch, I feel like the diet industry would market it and people would buy it. Oh, definitely. That's so gross.
0: I don't really follow influencers. I am of the age where that whole thing just seems, no offense to people who follow influencers, but the whole thing just seems kind of ridiculous to me. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, isn't the big thing, like, you go on The Bachelor or Love is Blind or whatever, not to find love, but so that you can get a bunch of uh, followers on Instagram and then sell, uh, you know, tea that makes you poop until you're thin?
1: Yeah, the tummy tea that makes you poop yourself. Yep, yep, yep.
0: That's a thing. Yep. Yeah. Because John calls her out. John's the, The witch comes out and she's like, I have something else that will soothe you. And he's like uh, no, this is, you you made us all vomit. And she's like, yeah, but you're not hungry. I I solved the issue that you had at the time.
1: I mean, I guess that's true. Anyway, Rigel finds, when he runs off to go take a shit, he finds like a horde of stuff and he grabs a thing and it sets off a trap. So now he's encased in amber and he's like, well, this fucking sucks. Also, the cave is now sealed off. So Sokozu and Shiana can't get in to get to them. Yeah. So that's the plot? Question mark. I mean, if if this episode can be said to have a plot, that's that's what it is. They're trapped in this cave.
0: Also, nobody's vomiting or pooping anymore because the plot has kicked in.
1: But unfortunately that vomit is going to be plot relevant. This God, I'm like I'm mad at this episode. Like if we didn't have to talk about it, if we just, like, saw it and moved on, and we could be like, okay, well, that happened, let's forget about it, it would be one thing. But it's so gross, I'm mad it exists.
0: I'm sorry, I spoke too soon, because Rigel still needs to go to the bathroom, but he's encased oh, in amber. Yeah, the
1: whole the whole episode, because he's encased in amber, is going to be him talking about how much he has to poop, and how his bowels are going to, like, explode.
0: I do like that Darko... <laughs> Darko's like, I think we should burn the witch, and John's like, you burn old people where you come from? And Dargo's like, no, but it seems like a good idea here.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that, is a, that is a good exchange, I do appreciate that exchange.
0: Honestly, Dargo's really uh, biting John Stelio all this episode, he's very quippy and flip.
1: He is, he is. Anyway, the people who own the stuff come in, and they're like, hey, this guy tried to steal our stuff and now he's encased in amber. And the witch is like, hey, wait, leave them. We, we should be friends with them. They're actually freedom fighters and Tarkins and you should know about them. And Rigel tries to play dead but fails to do so because he starts farting. And not to like... Who
0: wrote this episode? Was it a fifth
1: grader? God, right? Not to like... Not to continue to talk about gross bodily functions. Not that we have much choice, but... Not to continue to talk about gross bodily functions, but if his guts are going to explode because he can't shit, then he shouldn't he not be able to fart? God, I hate that I even brought that up. Okay. So, you know, the YouTuber uh, Nick DiRomeo?
0: I, yes, yes, I do.
1: And, like, this isn't by any means their only thing, but the thing that was the first video that I saw and that I think a lot of people started following them over mm-hmm. was when they did a video about Shane Dawson's Not Cool, the, the movie Not Cool.
0: Yeah, I, I mostly know them from the Disney Channel original movie thing, but I also did watch a lot of their stuff on Shane Dawson because that's a really easy hole to fall down.
1: Like, I've never watched an actual Shane Dawson video, but it is, it is embarrassingly fun to watch commentary youtubers tear shane dawson apart
0: he's so mean to his fiance
1: i know and and i don't know what what shane dawson's fiance's deal is because as i stated i don't really watch it i've never watched one of his actual videos but like in nick de video about them like all of the commenters were like this is actually making me feel bad for Ryland." so i i don't know i guess Ryland might be a dick but all i know all i know is that he's the poor guy that shane dawson is so mean to Anyway, yes. So Nick Ramio did a video about Not Cool which also has a lot of really gross bodily functions. And I was like, I enjoyed that video. And they kept most of the gross stuff off-screen. All of the gross stuff off-screen. They just, you know, mentioned it. Mentioned it. And then I watched the YouTuber 16 Leo's video about Not Cool and he did not do that. He showed it. He showed what happens in the movie. And I was like, this is horrifying and my stomach is turning. Which is to say, I want to try to be Nick DiRamio in this podcast episode. (laughs) I'm going to try my best to be Nick DiRamio as we go through this.
0: We are a bedroom humor household, not a bathroom humor household.
1: Exactly. Exactly. We joke about sex. Bathroom stuff is private. That's why the bathroom door has a lock. I guess the bedroom door has a lock, too.
0: So this the,
1: analogy's gotten away from me.
0: The whatever they're called, come and they see Rigel and they're like, "He smells dead, but I don't think he is dead. Whatever it is, let's keep doing whatever we're doing here." And the witch is like, "Let's talk to them. They're famous uh, peacekeepers, but not the, but not that <laughs> kind of peacekeeper. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're they're famous uh, freedom fighters." So the witch jumps out and is like, "Hey, big fan!" and They all pull guns on her, and she's like, yeah, no, no, it's okay, it's fine, I'm on your side. Also, I've got two other people who are hiding back here.
0: There's a human, and there's a Luxon, and these are the guns that we have, and these are all the superpowers we have, and also we have backup out there.
1: And John's like, yeah, let's fucking burn her.
0: (laughs) He's like, what are you doing? And she's like... (laughs) You catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. And he's like, these flies are pointing giant guns at us.
1: He tries to bluff his way out of it, being the bard that he is. He is like, oh, this is our senile grandmother. We're just gonna take her and leave. Sorry about that. And also, this is our dog. That's why he smells so bad. And I...
0: A firefight ensues.
1: Yeah, he he fails his bluff check. And... Chiana and Sokozu can see all this well they can see the fire fighting. Fighting. They can see the the pulse blasts from above, but they don't know exactly what's happening, just that, oh good, oh good. We're cut off from everybody and now they're now they're fighting. So fucking typical. Oh, I do want to point out a cool thing.
0: hmm
1: One cool thing in this episode. A thing that by the way I didn't even notice until I saw it on the trivia section. But Sokozu says, damn it. Oh. She does not say frel or frowling, and it, She curses in English. And initially someone on the fandom page pointed that out as, a, as an error, as a mistake. But somebody else pointed out, no, Sukozu knows English. Her translator microbes don't translate. So she probably does actually know curse words, English curse words, and is actually using English curse words. So anyway, cool thing. The one cool thing in yeah. this episode. Now that you know that, you don't have to watch it at all. Literally. Yeah.
0: So, Chenna's like, you're a genius, why don't you figure out how to get us out of this situation? And Sakosu's like, oh, really? Really? It's on me? Okay. I want to point out, I'm not the one who came down to this planet for, you know, evacuation purposes, so.
1: You know, none of this would have happened if you didn't need to just eat every day. So, like, so spoiled. You all, You all think that you need to ingest nutrients. Every single day.
0: So the witch is telling Dargo and John all about how these, this race of people are famous for, you know, negotiating and fighting for peace. And they did this, that, and the other thing. And John's like, I don't care. This is clearly not the situation here. They're shooting at us. And she's like, I'm sure it's just a misunderstanding. And he's like, that that doesn't mean we we will be equally as dead if they shoot us with their guns.
1: Uh, the big thing that they did that they're known for, by the way, was breaking a quarantine to bring essential supplies to people who had been cut off because of the quarantine. Just, I'm just throwing that out there because it's an interesting detail. Mm. Like it could have been, it could have been any number of generic things, and I think that, that that is a kind of specificity that I like.
0: The thing about this is like. It's probably a bad idea to just assume someone is good because they're from a planet where some people did something you like once.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, you you shouldn't paint anyone with a broad brush, but, uh, especially in this case.
1: Yeah, and, I don't know, if they were- even if they were wearing, like, some sort of uniform, and that's how- uh Naranti was identifying them as Tarkens cuz they they they're not I, they look like they look like generic Sebastians. I don't know why she thinks she knows who they are. Yeah. But even if they were wearing such a uniform, we find out later that their boss, who by the way does not look like a Sebastian, so that tells me that their race is all over the place, that their planet is not a single like
0: well, I assume he's something else cuz he's very casually disregarding the lives of his Man, as it were.
1: Well, but we find out that he was one of these freedom fighters, but he betrayed them to steal all their money.
0: Okay, then why does he look like a completely different alien? Then,
1: well, if anything, that means that he's the race, and those and his his henchmen are not, and the henchmen are the only thing Naranti saw. You know, it's a mess. It's a mess. Maybe she just psychically knew it, except she didn't because they're not. Moving on. Moving on. So. The thing this episode is doing, which I have been praising Farscape for, so I'll just throw this praise out there before we move on. hmm There's a whole other story happening here, right? Like, the main guy is interrogating Rigel. Like, why did you come down to our planet where we had all of our stuff hidden away? You came here to steal our treasure. And Rigel's like, I literally just came here to take a shit. Like, the whole thing where... Other stories are happening throughout the galaxy, and Moya's crew is like, we don't care. That's a different story, and we are not part of it, is something I will always love about Farscape.
0: So, these guys have these, like, shield things that can deflect blasters. That might be something to keep in your pocket for later.
1: Yeah, they have a little belt thing, and if you shoot blasters at them, the belt protects them. Hey, you know who else, you know what other show has that?
0: What? Stargate. Stargate. Isn't that that also a thing in Dune? That's why everyone has, like, knives or whatever, because they have...
1: Oh, maybe, possibly. I'm gonna, uh, unpopular opinion, I think Dune is kind of (sighs) trash. Wow. Yep.
0: I'm not really a sci-fi person. You've been getting me somewhat into Star Trek, I'll admit that. But generally speaking, I don't care for sci-fi, so I haven't really read Dune.
1: I mean, that's what we're doing here, right? I'm trying to sell you on sci-fi. Ignore this episode! Oh,
0: so Naranti, the witch, has fallen asleep, and John's like, "Jesus Christ, she doesn't bathe, she can't cook, and she's just falling asleep randomly." This this is what we're dealing with now. Like, come on, could you be more of a burden?
1: Oh, so Dargo and John and Noranti they're they're having this kind of conversation while they're hiding from. The guys who are trying to find them. We hear that guy over the radio with the head thief. And he's like, I'm trying to find them. I have them cornered, I think. I don't know where I am, but there are these markings on the wall. And the head guy's like, shoot the markings. And the- causes the lava to start flowing. So now they're trapped in a cave that's filling with lava.
0: Okay. And,
1: okay. So I mentioned last week that I'm going to make you watch just the Stargate episodes with Valam hmm And... This bad thing is reminding me of a good sequence in the first or second episode I'm going to show you. I haven't decided if I'm going to show you the introduction episode of Vala. Mm -hmm. But uh, they get trapped in a room and she says, at least it can't get any worse. And then the room starts filling up with sand and she says, the minute I said it, I knew it was a mistake the minute I said it. I
0: actually kind of like this because the room is filling with lava and they need to get to the other side of the room because this is... You know, a TV show, so lava's fine. They literally it.
1: have to play The Floor is Lava!
0: They literally have to play The Floor is Lava. And I have a... This is a dumb issue to have, but John's like, how are we going to get across? The old bat can't fly. And Darko's like, bats can fly. And then when I'm like, okay, earlier in the episode when John was like, tastes like chicken, you were like, what's a chicken? But bat translates?
1: I don't even... I. You're right. You're right.
0: Uh, I know, but it's it's nitpicking. Anyway, I do kind of enjoy this sequence because Darko just tosses the witch and then John over the lava and then he jumps over himself, doesn't quite make it, uses his lasso tongue to tie himself to the witch and then pulls himself the rest of the way over.
1: We have not seen his tongue do that, but yeah, I love that I love that he's using it in that way. You know what we should have done if we had thought ahead about this? What? We should have just... We should have just... Okay, let me back up. Okay. You know, you, Max, know, and I, and I guess not our listeners know, that I used to... In college, I was in a Rocky Horror Show shadow cast. Yes. And you, Max, know, and now our listeners know, that I can't stand 11 o'clock numbers in plays, usually. Mm-hmm. It, like, stops. It's, it's the ballad that happens in the second act, right? Like, at the climax. And it's like, you're at the climax, and you're gonna stop the show? It, I, oh, I can't stand them. And that number in Rocky Horror Picture Show is, I'm going home. Yeah. And one of the things in...
0: Cards for Sorrow, Cards for Pain.
1: Yes. And the audience participation line there is, this better be good, you got shot last week. And the thing our troupe did, that I introduced, because I hate 11 o'clock numbers, was just do a totally other number during that number. So we would we would cut the film, and we would do, like, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space, or Wig in a Box from Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which weirdly works, because both numbers open with a shot of a radio tower. Hmm. Yeah. And also Mean Green Mother from Outer Space is, like, perfect! Great. I was frank, so I would sing the Audrey Two part, and then the person who was playing Brad sang the Rick Moranis part, and it worked so perfectly! Anyway, the point is, if we had thought ahead, we should have totally just not done this episode, like, pretended it was our show, but just done the Floor is Lava episode of Community. <laughs> which was a long way of my saying, just go watch the, the Floor is Lava episode of Community.
0: For my money, the worst one is from the 25th annual putnam county spelling bee
1: mm-hmm. the 11
0: o'clock number in that it it goes on forever it stops the plot it doesn't tell you anything about the characters it's like the main character girl singing about like her mom doing volunteer work in this other country it is i think one of the worst it's definitely the worst song in that show i think it's one of the worst songs ever to fill that niche
1: uh, oh you know what's a good one what What I Did for Love from Chorus Line. Hmm. That's an exception. That's a good one. That's my favorite show, by the way. You know that. Now they know that.
0: I feel like Wicked doesn't really have a... I mean...
1: Uh, I think Wicked's... I think Wicked's... Oh, gosh. I'm embarrassed at how poorly I'm remembering the second act of Wicked, but I guess it makes sense because the second act is so much weaker than the first act, which is why it's ridiculous that they're making it into two movies. What... It's ridiculous anyway, but the second movie's gonna suck! But also, I think it's a reprise of For Good, is the 11 o'clock number there. Or possibly a reprise of Not That Girl.
0: Well, the reprise of Not That Girl is, like, 15 seconds long, and it leads directly into the Fiero and Alphabet boning song. Like, I think the 11th hour number is um, the the one between Alphaba uh, and Galinda right before the uh, Witch Hunters show up.
1: So that's the, that's the For Good reprise, isn't it?
0: No, it's just For Good.
1: Is that the first time we get For Good?
0: Yeah, the reprise is, like, a few minutes after, after she thinks Alphaba has died. I like For Good.
1: I do, too. But that, but as we're talking about, I, I like that song. Honestly, I like a lot of, I like most of the songs in Wicked, but as we're talking about this, I'm being reminded of how weird the structure is. The structure of that show is so jacked up. Yeah,
0: I, I think it works. I... I enjoyed the second act. I mean, you you get some real bangers there. I know a lot of people don't like No Good Deed Goes Unpunished. No, I like that number! Yeah, no, I think it's genuinely a great number, but there's it's one of those things where you either love it or you think it just kind of comes off as whiny. I
1: didn't know people didn't like it. I love that number. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. But see, this this is why I thought For Good was in the first act, because most of the good numbers are in the first act. The, uh, obviously defying gravity, which is what ends the act, is amazing. Popular. Popular,
0: loathing. Yeah. I I mean, I don't particularly care for one short day.
1: I love one short day. But also, not- one short day is good, but better than one short day is the... Dancing Through Life. Oh yeah, Dancing Dancing Through through Life life is is great. Like, it's incredible. If you're gonna split Wicked into two movies, which again, Mm -hmm. terrible idea, uh, have everything... Be one movie, and then the other movie just be the Dancing Through Life number. You could do a whole movie of the Dancing Through Life number.
0: Yes, Act 1 has the stronger songs, but, like, Act 2, I mean, No Good Deed Goes Unpunished, uh, For Good, uh, The Boning Song. I forget what The Boning Song's called.
1: So, if is happening to the animals, is in the first act, right? Yeah. See, that's that's the bad, it's not bad, but that's the weak song in the first act.
0: Oh, Excuse me, excuse me. Dear Old Shiz?
1: Dear Old Shiz is only, like, ten seconds long. That doesn't count. That's fine.
0: Well, the Something's Happening to the Animal Song is, like, a minute if that. I mean, I think that one of the big strengths of Wicked is that the worst songs are, like, this long.
1: Oh, The Wizard and Me, that's in first act?
0: Oh, yeah, that's... that's Wonder- really too.
1: Wonderful's in the first act! Yeah. What? What even happens in the second act? Why are they splitting this movie into two parts?
0: Uh, Wicked Witch of the East is in the second act, which is criminally underrated. Why is it not on the soundtrack? I think it is, and this might just be because it wasn't on the soundtrack so I didn't get to listen to it as often, but I think it's one of the stronger songs in the show. And it's weird that it's not on the soundtrack.
1: The cast recorded? Yeah. Okay, so, this is is relevant. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, do you know about the thing with the revival of Into the Woods?
0: Uh no
1: so they hung up signs in the lobby at the revival of into the woods saying the show is not over this is just intermission because so many people were leaving at intermission because they thought it was over because the first act of into the woods is a discreet story if you leave after the first act you haven't seen into the woods because the second act is like the part that subverts the fairy. it's the it's part the that matters fallout. right um but you, I could see how, especially because it's a very long show, so I could see how you watch the first act and you're like, all right, I'm done. I, the show, not not I'm done, but they're done. Clearly the show is over and leave. So they'd hang up signs saying, don't leave, we're not done yet.
0: I mean, it literally ends with To Be Continued, the uh, pre-intermission song, which I feel like was them foreseeing this issue.
1: <laughs> yes. But what I was going to say is, not because you're mistaken, but just because you should leave after leave leave during the intermission of wicked you've seen all the good stuff
0: hard disagree but also I don't think it should be split into two movies
1: Jesus Christ I just I I, I, can we internet bully those filmmakers until they they retract that idea because it's such a bad idea and
0: musicals have a hard time selling these days that's the thing that I'm like why are you banking on this being two movies and then
1: it's gonna and they're gonna be like oh i guess people just don't want musicals anymore fuck you guys I- oh so I'm, I'm angry i'm so worked up right now
0: we should probably get back to talking about this episode of farscape
1: so then chiana and sokozu are like okay so i guess we got to get into dargo's ship and blast our way into the cave and
0: but only dargo can fly dargo's ship What a conundrum this is.
1: Only Dargo's DNA. And Shiana's like, ooh, I've got an idea. (sighs) I remember earlier when you were like, so wait, did Dargo jizz all over the controls so that John could use them? And I was like, yep, that's what happened. That's so much better than this. I didn't need a whole episode talking about it.
0: (sighs) Yeah, so the... Big boss guy who's this kind of insectoid, uh, yeah, insectoid dude.
1: I actually really like his design because his his face is insectoid, and when he takes off his helmet and you see his, like, carapace, you see, like, his brain being contained by, like, a cage of bone instead of, like, being encased in, but me- it's cool. I, I like his design.
0: So he's trying to get information about who they are, you know, from Rigel and Naranti, the witch, is like oh, we are just weary travelers come to poop on you. And he's like, yeah, not buying it. Not buying it. Especially because they found Rigel sitting on their treasure pile, grabbing their treasure.
1: Oh, Rigel. I mean, I don't know why John's not just like, doesn't every group have like, I don't know why John wasn't just like, he's just our our thief friend. We, we'll, we'll contain him. Don't worry, Mike, that is what John says. John is like, he's just our thief friend, we'll contain it. But this guy does not believe it. He's like, we are the greatest thieves in the universe. So clearly you're here because of us to stop us and steal our stuff that we stole.
0: By the way, they're not all in the same room. The leader guy's in the room with Rigel is in the part of the cave with Rigel. But they're talking through the network of caves. Yes. So uh, the head thief guy's like, look, okay, whatever. I just want you off my planet. I'm going to send an escort to come pick you up. And uh, then you can pick up your thief and leave forever. Hey, audience, I'm actually gonna have them killed. Wink.
1: Well, John is actually not gonna sit around and wait to be killed because he's been. Well, John
0: knows it too. It's yeah, like... I was
1: gonna say, he's been in the show long enough, he knows how this works. So he tells Dargo that his plan is to kind of hide. And when the guy who's going to escort them to the main guy shows up, they're going to hit him with a
0: rock. And Darga's like, really? That's your plan? Hit them with a rock? And I actually like this exchange, too, because John's like, okay, you know, those shields that they have protect them from blaster fire. They protect them from this kind of energy, but they don't protect them from getting hit with rocks.
1: Which John deduced because the one guy was not protected from the lava by his shield.
0: Oh, yeah, when he when he shot the uh, rock to make the lava flow, he melted from it. And, okay, so there's a big thief-boss guy, and then there's a sub-thief-boss guy. And you, we get the impression, or I guess it's kind of outright stated, that the big thief-boss guy is using the sub-thief-boss guy's guys. Like, he, he subcontracted this whole thing out.
1: So this is what happens. You, you, gotta, you gotta have... You gotta have good unionized workers who care about their job. You can't go with these, like, independent contractors like this.
0: Well, the the sub-boss guy is like, please stop killing my men. It upsets me, and it is counterproductive. And the main boss guy is like, whatever. Like, I, I don't care about any of your dudes. Which seems like a bad attitude to have when you're trapped alone on a lava planet with these guys, but Whatever.
1: Yeah, he hasn't read the uh, Evil Overlord handbook yeah. list that went around the internet in the early 2000s. So, Chiana and Sokozu use Dargo's DNA to get into the ship.
0: Specifically, uh, Chiana.
1: Vomit. Or yeah, Chiana. Yeah. Because
0: Sokozu's, like, correcting her on all of the stuff that she's doing. And Chiana's like, look, if you want to dip your hands in vomit and, you know, take over, fine. And is like, honestly, I mean, A, no, I don't. And B, why didn't Dargo, like, install a failsafe or something that seems like an obvious thing to do if you are constantly in situations where other people will need to use your ship? She's doing a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking here.
1: Well, once Chiana is like, okay, so now that we're in, now that we're doing this... How do we fire the cannon? since apparently you know everything about this ship? And Sakazu's like, oh, I don't know. I've never seen Dago fire the cannons. I don't know how to do that part. <laughs> so, down in the caves, Naranti uses her, like, hallucination gas to make the henchmen see her as a sexy alien who who, by the way, a sexy alien with, like, a Party City blue wig and her face... Like a human body, like a human body, and then a face that's meant to evoke, like, gray aliens.
0: Yeah. So this this part feels weirdly a bridge too far. Not a bridge too far. It kind of, it takes it to a ridiculous place that feels the wrong kind of ridiculous for Farscape. This feels like a, like, old Star Trek thing. Almost. Like a parody of old Star Trek.
1: Well, so a couple of weeks ago, I said that Naranti felt like a character who was created by the DM to make fun of Zan.
0: Oh yeah, this whole <laughs> thing does feel like an extended Zan uses her sexuality as a weapon joke.
1: But between between that and her whole like, no, these are good guys. We should just negotiate with them peacefully. I'm like, they are, they are just taking a bunch of potshots at Zan.
0: Yeah, so... Okay. She's do it, like we cut we keep cutting back and forth between, you know, the hallucination sexy lady doing sexy dancing and the uh minion guys mugging, like, Whoa, I have a boner and this is the facial expression you make when you have a boner which uh the you know Whoa, pretty lady face from bad kids media. Yeah and or
1: like, yeah like the the text avery wolf mouth
0: yeah they keep cutting back between you know sexy lady dancing and them doing that to Naranti, who's also sexy lady dancing and john and dargo are like oh gross she's an old lady who's like thrusting her hips Blah. um
1: okay are you ready to be are you ready to hear something even worse okay so we see john and dargo's horrified reactions at watching an older woman do a sexy fan dance.
0: Stargo, you had sex with an old lady.
1: Oh, wait, in that, wait. La-
0: in that In the episode where that old lady needed to have sex in order to get into heaven.
1: Save your outrage, it's about to get worse. Okay. So, we don't see Naranti from this angle, but there actually is cut footage of Naranti dancing in the Naranti makeup, and they added armpit hair to her, and... In the full sequence, the horrified reaction is to seeing her have body hair.
0: Alright then.
1: First of all, that's not even- that's not even a cultural thing on this entire planet. And you're telling me Dargo's like, oh gross, body hair on a woman? You I'm have... horrified!
0: Your testicles are on your face, Your dude. genitals
1: are on your face, Dargo! And by the way, no judgment. I feel like that's convenient. I've said it before. Yeah. But, no! Bad Dargo!
0: and bad writer, honestly. Like, I don't know. This, it's weird because there are things I like about this sequence. Like, as a potshot meta commentary thing on Xan's weaponizing her sexuality, like, it is funny. But, uh, you, you honestly, you kind of got some of that with Zan, like, when she was confronting the, uh... You know, I, I think it was the... guys the, with the gauntlets. The guy with the gauntlet, and she's like, let's see what you think about this! And she whipped off her robe, and the guy was, like, screaming and falling over.
1: <laughs> so, the... One of the things I actually like about the sequence, even though, as you said, it definitely feels like a, a step too far, I actually really like the outfit she's wearing, because she has this, like, belly dancer, um, plate, like, plate mail bikini thing, mm-hmm. and... She strips it off and underneath is wearing a slightly smaller plate mail bikini. And I, it's, it's, I, I love it. I kind of was like, watching this sequence again, I'm like, I'm gonna make that. I like it. I'm not, it's way too much work, but I kind of want it.
0: <laughs> so, back on Dargo's ship, Sakosu's like, you know what? I'm just gonna dip my hands in vomit and do it myself. You're, you're like, you're right. Let's just be all in on this.
1: Many vomit covered hands make light work. Ugh. So, Sukozu does figure out how to fire the cannons.
0: Because she is a super genius. I think one of the things that makes it better, like, I know that we keep on talking about her talking about how weird it is that the other people can't do stuff. But she doesn't really rub it in other people's faces that they can't.
1: She just is. Yeah, she just, comes, she just goes out there and does her job.
0: Because, like, Jenna's like, have you figured out how to do it? And she's like, yes. And then she does it, like. She doesn't make a big deal out of the fact that this is something she used her super special brain to figure out how to do.
1: Right. She's, yes. She's not like, yes, I figured it out because I am far superior to Nabari. So down in the cave now, John and Dargo have taken the the personal shields and they're tr- they have a little comedic back and forth about who's going to get shot to make sure that the shields work. And finally Dargo just like... Short circuits that whole discussion by shooting John and it's fine. The shield works.
0: There's a little, like, jokey thing where John's like, there's no part of me that's small that you should be shooting off. Because Darga's like, why don't I just try shooting off some small part of you that you won't miss? A
1: small appendage.
0: And John immediately assumes he's talking about his junk for no reason. And then Naranti's like, you could shoot him in his butt. It's huge. You wouldn't miss if part of that got blasted off. And John's like, that's sexual harassment. And uh, Dargo's like, "Shut up, John! I'm gonna shoot you in your giant ass."
1: He actually just shoots him in his leg. But yeah, yeah. So John and Dargo make their way to the ca- to the center of the cavern where you know the the main guy is, and that's the. Uh... Hey, speaking of wicked, uh, because he has like the big metal armor, like almost Robocop looking armor. Mm-hmm. John calls the main bad guy Tin Man.
0: Yeah, also because, you know, Farscape.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wizard
0: of Oz. So John's like, hey, look, we've got two of your guys. Why don't you just trade them for our stupid little fish monster and we can leave? And the guy's like, you think I care about any of this? The clothes? The mansion? I just want to get back to my home dimension. I'm sorry, I was going off on a glory Yeah. So sh- there. but he, he shoots the guys. Yeah, he shoots the minions. You were gonna get such a bad rating on uh, I don't know what would it be Glassdoor.
1: Oh my god, <laughs> the Glassdoor rating for for evil for evil. Uh, I almost Thief said evil geniuses, pirate, yeah. but yeah, for the the evil villain Glassdoor website. Should we make that? Because you know, uh, for for our other podcast, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Um, but for our other podcast, I am planning on making. And Ask Phoebe website just for fun, just to have it there. Mm. So somebody else make a super villain glass door review website.
0: So Bossman starts interrogating John and Dargo. And I guess not really Naranti. She's around, but he's not really talking he, to he, her. He
1: wants to know where Naranti is. And he's interrogating them by throwing handfuls of lava on them.
0: He's also like, so what uh, What organization are you? I'm assuming Peacekeeper, but what law enforcement are you from? And we get a Futurama moment where uh, Targa's like, we're not cops. In fact, we're criminals.
1: He does say that. He's like, we don't care that you're thieves. We're thieves. We steal shit all the time. We rob. You know what? I'm surprised they didn't bring out the shadow depository thing because they have become a little notorious for that. If. Maybe, maybe it's because they know that they don't look really good in this episode and they don't want to ruin their reputation. That's gotta be what it is. actually know that I say that out loud. Anyway.
0: The sub-boss pulls the main boss aside and he's like, I feel like we're doing more damage than this whole situation is worth. Like, we're already down, like, four dudes and we've got... what What is the upside of keeping these people around?
1: Right? Plus then they hear the cannons firing because Chiana and Sokozu are breaking in and Dargo and John are like, oh, hey, that's a whole giant ship filled with people who are going to kick your asses. And then the main bad guy's like, oh, well, in that case, Uno, reverse card. I guess that means we have to keep you as hostages. Ugh.
0: Ugh. This whole episode is just people doing things, which I'm aware describes every that's episode everything. of every TV yeah, that's show. Yeah, everything ever but this is more just people doing things so Sukozu's <laughs> like uh we have to stop firing now because there's still like 15 minutes left in the episode mm-hmm. and was like oh, fine i guess we'll walk in there and do it myself like so there there are, everyone's wandering through the caves the sub boss is complaining some more about how you know About how many of his guys are dead and how...
1: This was supposed to be just an easy job. They come in, they steal the Tarkin's stuff, and they get out. And Naranti overhears this, and she's like, Oh, wait! These guys aren't actually the good guys?!
0: Jesus Christ, Naranti. So, they're talking about maybe encasing John and Dargo in amber, but blah blah blah, firing, firing, firing. Guns and whatnot. Amber encasing people. Whole, uh bunch of stuff is going down they unhostage themselves and they encase the guy in amber but then they decide that they don't want him to suffocate so they chip a breathing hole out for him
1: they get his gun so now they have a giant gun which is exciting for them also the gun like the gun is what chips away at the amber so that means that they can free rigel so yay i guess Oh, okay, um, you know how I love really stupid trivia facts? Yes. One of the trivia facts on this episode was they did not actually use Amber to encase the Rigel puppet.
0: Shocking!
1: (laughs) I love stupid trivia like that. So, John and Dargo spend, like, a whole scene trying to de-encase Rigel, and then they run out of fuel for the, like, de-encasing gun, and then...
0: They have fisticuffs with one of the, I guess, the only minion left... So now it's just the sub-boss and the main boss because they, they <laughs> wh- one, the only remaining minion runs at them with a rock over his head and John just pushes him into the lava.
1: Oh, it's it's not a rock. It's Rigel. Oh. He gra- he grabs a hold of Rigel. So when John pushes him into the lava, he's like, oh shoot, I killed Rigel. Oops. Wah-wah. And then Harvey, the Scorpius who lives in John's head, shows up.
0: And he's like, hey, Wayne, what's-his-bucket hasn't been in this episode at all yet. So, uh... Wayne Pygram. Wayne Pygram, so, uh, I'm here.
1: I do- okay, I do appreciate that he's wearing, like, a hazmat suit. Uh, That's funny. That makes me laugh. Because, obviously, he doesn't need to be- he's not really there.
0: He tells John, look, jumping into lava to rescue a fish guy who's definitely dead is stupid. I don't want to die because- I don't know, you have some weird emotional attachment to Rigel just because you spent enough time standing in the same general area as him.
1: Okay, so first of all, that's how all human connection works. Secondly, I was going to say, I don't want to die just because I'm trapped in the head of somebody foolhardy, but John decides he's going to jump in the lava. First, he's going to shoot himself because that will activate the belt and then it will protect him from the lava if he gets it really quick. Which is kind of a leap to me. That seems like a logical leap. It turns out to be accurate, but I'm like, I don't know if that's accurate, John. It's not like if you shoot somebody repeatedly while they're wearing a bulletproof vest, suddenly it will protect them from a knife.
0: Yeah, uh, his his logic is that it didn't protect them from... (laughs) It didn't protect the other people from the lava because they weren't going at the lava fast enough for it to register as laser fire. Which... Oh, uh, okay.
1: Meanwhile, Naranti meets up with Chiana and is like, Hey, these guys aren't really the the freedom fighters. They're, they're thieves. We should go find the Tarkins and tell them about this. And Chiana's like, Not our circus! Not our monkeys! No! Like- <laughs> No!
0: <laughs> seriously, we literally just came to this planet to use the bathroom. We do not need to get involved in whatever dumb BS is going on here.
1: Ugh. Well, John is working up the courage to shoot himself and jump into the lava. We get, like, just a bunch of fights. Dargo fighting the guy. The action, one guy's left. Action, Yep.
0: Yeah, Dargo takes out the sub-boss. John gets Rigel out of the lava, but then the main boss comes and punches him in the face. And he's like, you ruined everything. <laughs> you destroyed all my plans. And John's like...
1: It didn't have to be this way! You could have all just said, Oops, sorry, our bad, and let us go, and we would be done! Oh. Oh. And the main boss is like, Oh, it was very clever of you to figure out that you could shoot yourself and jump into the lava, but now I have a hold of you, so I'm gonna throw you in the lava.
0: And he makes a joke about John's gun.
1: Because it's pathetically small. Because it's not enough that this be an episode with too much bodily fluids we also have to have a, a side helping of body shaming
0: two side helpings of body shaming John assuming that little appendage was a reference to his dick for no reason and this weird thing where insulting his gun means that
1: mm. Yeah. so Dargo's having the fight with the guy on like a level above where John is fighting with the boss and Dargo like pops the guy's head off and it rolls down into the sub level where John is, and there's just a moment where John's like, Is that somebody's head? And I do like that. <laughs> it's a little microcosm of everything else that's happening, because John is in the middle of his own battle, and it's like, Oh shoot, somebody in a different battle that I'm not a part of just lost their head.
0: So, John has Chiana shoot him with the thing and something. Ch- something.
1: Chiana, Chiana bursts into the chamber just to. John's about to get lava fried, and he's like, Chiana, shoot me! So that then the... Lava, lava... doesn't. Mm-hmm. So... Gianna's like, don't threaten me with a good time.
0: Main boss guy gets encased in amber. John goes diving again and gets Rigel for real this time. I guess he got interrupted by main boss guy last time.
1: Well, I think the main got- boss guy, yeah, I think when he hit him, Rigel fell back in, or whatever.
0: Yeah. So they de-amberify Rigel... And then he poops everywhere and then the episode's over.
1: Uh, okay, wait, okay. But the episode is not over.
0: Oh, right. <sighs> right. So, so One really big important thing happens after Rigel poops everywhere.
1: Yeah, so after Rigel poops everywhere, they're back on the ship and they get a message. A message came in. They, they got a voicemail. A voicemail came in while they were on the planet doing their business. And it is from Pilot. They know where Pilot is. He, he says, he gives them his coordinates and he's like, come, come back, come find me. And, yeah, they're like, pilot's alive, pilot's okay, Moya's okay.
0: Clearly this is not any kind of trap.
1: They're gonna get back on Moya, and, hey, hey, let's all just be excited that we're gonna get Claudia Black back next week.
0: Yes, that indeed.
1: And that is the end of the episode. Thank God.
0: So... This isn't, like, a super painful episode to watch or anything. I mean, I'm gonna be honest, I was on my phone for large portions of it because large portions of it are just fighting and sh- lava shenanigans, but, like, it's, it's, it's not the worst episode in the world.
1: I mean, I don't know, I might argue with you. Okay, if you're doing a podcast, it's the worst episode. Because it's such a nothing episode. Like, I would rather rant about The Lawyer Planet a million times than watch this episode again. hmm But if I'm forced to do a rewatch that I'm then not talking about... God, you know what? No, the bodily fluid stuff, it's so gross to me. I don't know. It's a toss-up. But I say it's a toss-up. But it's definitely, definitely a, a low S-tier episode. Not good. Not good. But...
0: Did you say low S-tier
1: Yeah, S tier, you know those tier rankings that people do?
0: Yeah, S is the best one.
1: Oh, what's the bottom one? F. Okay, that's what it is, it's terrible.
0: Yeah, it threw me off too, it's it's a basic grading system except S is better than A.
1: Sorry y'all, I'm old, I'm an elder millennial. But it's okay, because next week we get episode 5, Promises, and the description on Amazon Prime is, Crichton is reunited with Aaron only to find her dying of heat delirium and refusing to permit a cure. Okay.
0: So, uh, we have segments. Let's get into those segments, huh?
1: Yeah, okay, so our first segment is a distant part of the universe. What world building worked for you?
0: Honestly, I did like the backstory we got from Naranti about these, like, the the whole breaking the quarantine. I keep wanting to say Peacekeeper, even though that's wrong. The fact that this species has like such a good reputation mm-hmm. that apparently people are just willing to give them a pass and not judge them on, you know, their individualness.
1: Yes, yes. I I like the commitment to world-building even when it matters so little as it does in this episode. I'm with you there. Our second segment is strange alien creatures which is what makeup or costume worked for you.
0: I mean, obviously boss alien guy, right?
1: I mean, yeah, it was great. I also liked the fan dance hallucination gray alien. Yeah. Like they did not skimp out on on alien design this week. And which is which is a shame because I feel like that that was a lot of wasted effort, but
0: the minion guys were kind of Power Rangers E.
1: Oh my god. Okay. Actually yes. a lot of
0: this episode was And I'm sorry, Power Rangers fans, but Power Rangers-y in a bad way. (laughs) Like, the Minions do a lot of very broad acting.
1: Oof, that they do, that they do. But the makeup and costumes were not phoned in. I I, I did like the design of all of the alien-looking aliens. Yeah. Even the fake one that Naranti was. Our final segment is... The Wonders That I've Seen, which is what emotionally resonated with you this episode.
0: Nothing? Could it be nothing? I
1: actually have something though. Really? Yeah, the last moment when they realize that Moya's out there and alive and they're all gonna be together again.
0: Yeah, that was nice.
1: The 30 seconds at the end of this episode when the episode was over and we were setting up next week's episode is what emotionally resonated with me.
0: I also do kind of like the interplay between uh, Chiana and Sokozu. It's different than the uh, thing that Chiana had with Jewel, and you can really tell that she's she starts the episode basically treating Sokozu like Jewel 2.0, but then she realizes that Sokozu's not looking down on her for not being able to do these things.
1: Yeah, Sokozu is her own person, and they have their own relationship.
0: And that, that's a, it's a very little but neat thing.
1: Also, I think uh, Dargo and John's dynamic was was cute and strong this episode. Yeah. But that's, that's not unusual for... for... It's not an unusual thing to see, but it, it's nice all the same. So I think that does it for this week.
0: Yep, that should about do it.
1: Like I said, short episode this week. Mm-hmm. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maricruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan.
0: If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show.
1: We can also be contacted on Gmail at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com or on Twitter at ilovetvzines.
0: So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories.